Welcome to The Dyad Presents, a video game music podcast. I'm The Dyad, and strap in, because these are space jams.
in this week from the Super Nintendo game, The Flintstones. This is Unused Song 2. The composer, Dean Evans, himself said that the track was never actually written for anything in particular. He was asked if he had any unused tracks he'd written that could be added to The Flintstones. There were four tracks he contributed, those being The Password, Screen, Cinema, Staff Roll, and this. The reason the tracks ended up in the Flintstones was the fact that there was spare ROM space on the cartridge and the programmers wanted to fill this up for their own jukebox. How cool is that? I always loved that story. The other tracks were used in the game, but in Dean's own words, of course this wasn't at all suitable. It was, however, left on the game cartridge. This episode is going to be about capturing the kind of cruising, spacey feel that so many games do so well. In fact, this was actually the first show theme that I thought of back when I was debating whether or not to do a podcast at all. For this episode, I agonized over whether or not I should edit the tracks down in length because some of these can be very, very long. But I ultimately decided that I would just exclude a few of the longer tracks and save them for a future sequel episode. This is actually pretty easy because there are a couple of composers that I had pulled multiple songs from to include in this episode. The next track comes from a Famicom-only game, Lagrange Point. And for the uninitiated, the Famicom is the Japanese version of the Nintendo Entertainment System. This track was composed by Akio Dobashi and Noriyuki Takahashi. The track is called Departure and Arrival. technically advanced games to appear on the Famicom. The game was published in 1991, which is a year after the release of the Super Nintendo. The game attempted to compete by maximizing the sound and graphics capabilities of the Famicom, and in fact the game is the only title to use Konami's VRC7 memory management chip. It included an onboard FM synthesis chip, and as you can hear, 
It produced a soundtrack completely unlike anything on the system. I can and have listened to this song loop for a long, long time in one sitting. The game can also boast a relatively unique setting. It's one of the few futuristic RPGs that was out at this time. Basically, you have to ward off the attacks of alien mutants saving a series of space colonies. The game never made it to the US, but there is a fan translation that came out in 2014. The next track is the first Amiga tune to appear on the show. From the 1993 game Sleepwalker, composed by Nick Harding and Richard Cheek, the song is called Funk Lullaby.
In Sleepwalker, you play as a cartoon dog named Ralph who has to stop his sleepwalking master from waking up. The unlucky Ralph has to bridge gaps, fight enemies, and otherwise guide the relentless child to safety. Oddly enough, the game was made to promote charity Comic Relief, and in fact, all profits from the sales of the game went to charity. You might know the charity as the entity behind the Red Nose Day events, or possibly if you watched Comedy Central at any point during the 90s. While the game was designed for the Amiga, it also had versions on the Commodore 64, Atari ST, and MS-DOS. But the strangest entry was the Super Nintendo conversion into the game Eek the Cat. It was basically just a swipe, sprite swapping and um, taking out Frank for the characters of the cartoon of the same name. Eek wasn't well reviewed. That being said, both games do have great music. And that's a lot to take in. I guess we'll have to talk about the Amiga itself another time. Next is another first time system, the PC-98. From the 1994 game Rhyme Star, composed by Takeshi Abo, this track is called Seabed.
actually don't have that much to say about the game Rhymestar. I've never played it and it was a little difficult to find information about the game. From what I gathered, it's an Othello-style board game where there are card battles to determine if a square is taken. Actually, what? Maybe I gotta check that out. Anyway, I'd rather talk about NEC's PC-98 system. The PC-9800 series is a lineup of Japanese 16- and 32-bit computers manufactured by NEC starting in 1982 all the way through the year 2000. They basically kickstarted NEC in the PC market, and to date, more than 18 million PC-98 units have been sold. The computers were originally designed for business purposes in mind, but game developers made creative use of the limitations and the software titles that they churned out are actually kind of cool. They're mostly dominated by dating games and RPGs, but they have really great music. And that brings me to my last track. But first, as a reminder, we are on iTunes, and although I've heard we're not showing up in the search, you can find a direct link to subscribe on the blog and otherwise follow the show. We're at uh, thedietpresents.blogspot.com, on Twitter at the Dyad, and you can email me at thedietpresents at gmail.com. You can also find the Facebook page by the name of the podcast or by searching for at the Dyad. And as always, special thanks to Alan Euler, aka Periodical, for mixing and editing the show. Taking us back to Earth is the unreleased game Time Tracks with an X, composed by the master Tim Fallen. The game would have come out on the Genesis slash Mega Drive, but obviously it never did. This was the only soundtrack Tim Fallen ever composed for the Genesis, and he used a special sound driver that was designed by Dean Belfield. But because this was his only game, the driver was never used. The only reason I'm playing this track last is because it's a colossal 11 minutes long. Truthfully, this is the song that inspired the episode, and I think you're going to like it as much as I do. Anyway, thank you for listening. See you next time. And until then, this is track four from the game Time Tracks.